Hello and welcome to Years of Hurt, the international football podcast. I'm Richard Carey and today we're going to be talking about the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at YOHFootball as we now are on a permanent basis. We've finally stuck with a particular tag on Twitter should Elon Musk not shut us all down. Let me tell you a little bit about this World Cup. It's an interesting one, let's say that. It's the 22nd World Cup in its in its history since 1930. There are 32 teams in the tournament for the last time as it will go up to 48 teams for the 2026 World Cup in the USA, Canada, Mexico. Which is going to be a fun format, I can tell you. Uh, was it 16 groups of three? Do people remember what happened in 1982 when they used to have groups of three in the second round of the World Cup and there was a little match between Germany and Austria? Seems like they've forgotten, but maybe they'll remember in 2026 and realise, ah, we've got to change the format for 2030. We'll see. For this World Cup, there's eight groups of four with the top two from each group qualifying for the round of 16 and it'll be played over 29 days from Sunday the 20th of November to Sunday the 18th of December. So it's very tightly crammed in this World Cup. So now they're trying to cram it in so people can work out their domestic football fixtures around it. And obviously we've had Premier League fixtures the week before the World Cup and also the week after, which is really unprecedented. This is the second World Cup to be hosted in Asia after Japan and Korea in 2002. There are eight stadiums in five host cities. 13 European nations will be taking part, along with five African teams, five Asian teams, including the hosts, one from Australia, or they do play in Asia in qualifying, four North American teams and four South American teams. And the tournament contains seven former World Cup winners. That's Brazil with five wins, the record at the moment. Germany with four wins. Argentina with two wins. Uruguay with two wins. France with two wins as well. And England and Spain with one win apiece. Only Italy, who have won the World Cup four times, have failed to qualify for the World Cup for the second time in a row as well, despite winning Euro 2020. What the hell's gone on there? And they won a great winning streak as well. It seems like they just went straight off the boil. This will also be the first cup to feature women as referees, but that's not the most talked about thing about this World Cup. We have to mention the Qatar controversy, the elephant in the room, if you will. There are a number of notable things about Qatar. They are the first Arab nation. I said the the second Asian country, but the first Arab nation to host the World Cup. And they're also the smallest nation to ever host it, smaller than Switzerland, who previously had the record in 1954. This is also the most expensive World Cup. It's believed to cost them an estimated $300 billion from building on the infrastructure, travel, stadiums, and a lot. And a lot of the money is actually going to go straight to FIFA. So Qatar are probably going to be in the red let's say after this although they've got loads of money from oil so they're probably all right but of course what this is really known for is how controversial Qatar is as a world cup host potentially even more controversial than the previous host Russia who were at the time embroiled in 
I think they invaded Crimea, also invaded Georgia, and now they're embroiled in the war in Ukraine and actually have been banned from by FIFA from even competing in international football. I want to cast your minds now back to 2010. I was in my first year of university. Back then, right at the end of 2010, they announced that where the FIFA World Cup would be hosted in 2018 and 2022, as they, as they announced Russia would be the host in 2018, and Qatar in 2022. The winner to organise the 2022 FIFA World Cup is Qatar. <laughs> Oh, the whiff of corruption. It was ever so pungent during that time. Since 2010, there has been a corruption case against FIFA, which in 2015 saw Seth Blatter stand down as FIFA president. And he's been barred from the sport until 2023, along with UEFA president at the time, Michel Platini. There were many FIFA officials who were arrested and charged for taking bribes for World Cup bids. There's this guy called Chuck Blazer who was involved in the corruption and became sort of a whistleblower and managed to take out quite a lot of FIFA officials in the process. This actually goes back to World Cups even before Russia and Qatar. I think it was the South African World Cup, actually, that they got pulled up on. If you remember, England were actually kind of complicit in this kind of corruption because there is lots of stories about England meeting... FIFA in this one-on-one sort of way and potentially paying them a lot of money only not to get the World Cup. So it seems like there was a lot of dodgy stuff there. There's an author called Andrew Jennings. He's done quite a lot of um, books about FIFA, all the way going back to like the early 2000s. So this is not a new thing whatsoever, FIFA corrupt, but it just seems so blatant when they announced that Russia and Qatar were the hosts of the World Cup. Qatar was particularly a shock because in 2010 they had no stadiums. Their national team had never qualified for a World Cup and still haven't apart from being the host this time. And it happened to be flipping boiling in the summer. So it was a bit of a logistical nightmare because the World Cup is generally in the Northern Hemisphere summer. And initially they said, oh, it's fine. We'll just get air conditioning. It won't be a problem. But FIFA ended up moving the summer tournament to the winter to accommodate in 2015. Also, FIFA actually conducted an investigation into the Qatar bid, and shock horror, they cleared them. I mean, why not get an independent investigator if you really wanted a fair investigation? Hmm. It's a bit like when the Conservative Party say, we're doing an investigation and nothing happens, that sort of thing. So these Qatar stadiums, how are they going to be built? Well, migrant workers were going to feel that, of course. Uh, and those who were working on the World Cup stadiums, some of them reported of not being paid for four months, according to an ITV documentary. So some of them were just low paid or not paid at all and actually went on strike in 2019. Unfortunately, this has led to many deaths. Now, I can't tell you what the figure is of how many people died you know, building these stadiums, which is a very serious thing, really. I mean... That should never happen. But Qatari authorities say only three people have died, which is still quite bad. But the actual number is likely to be much, much higher. Apparently 15,000 non-Qataris died in the country between 2010 and 2019. So there's a lot of unaccounted for deaths, let's say that. There's also unexplained deaths or imprisonments of people who worked with Qatar on the World Cup bid. 
as ITV reported in their documentary recently, which was a bit of an eye-opener for me. It was just like, oh, yeah, I knew there was problems, and now all, there's all these extra problems I hadn't even thought about before. We have also Qatari's terrible treatment of women. This included Qatari officials going on TV to suggest ways it might be acceptable to beat up your wife. Yeah, there's male guardianship rules in place, which means women need permission from a male to marry, to study abroad, to work for the government, to travel abroad, and to receive some forms of reproductive health care. And if they were to get divorced, the bloke is going to get the kids or whatever. You know, it's it's not looking good. And I mean, there's a, a lot of talked about, particularly in the Middle East, of, you know, how women are treated. Um, Saudi Arabia, they recently only let women drive a couple of years ago. And obviously in Iran, there's a lot of things going on about uh, the wearing of the hijab. Very bad rules in place uh, for women and also for the LGBTQ plus community as well. A Qatar World Cup ambassador described on a German broadcaster as being gay as damage of the mind. They have conversion clinics for transgender or gay people basically saying it's kind of reminds me of the sort of american religious right and america are hosting a world cup in four years maybe we should be looking at them as well anyway i, I do think it's really bad this um so homosexuality is illegal in qatar and the foreign secretary james cleverly the genius he is, suggested that fans should respect those laws, which basically means tone down the gay. I mean, come on, James. There's a report of, of severe beatings and sexual harassment towards LGBTQ plus people by Qatari police. They've tried to reassure fans who are gay that it's going to be fine. If the anti-homosexuality laws weren't enough, if the treatment of women wasn't enough, if the deaths of slave, well, slash very badly treated workers wasn't enough. If mysteriously unexplained deaths wasn't enough. You can't even drink there. Yeah, they, they don't let you drink in Qatar unless it's in very designated spaces. These designated spaces include like a village where all fans from different countries are going to live right next to each other. Do you think that might be a problem? Because I do. I think it might be a problem. There's also the fact that Qatar have never really hosted a tournament of this size. I think they hosted the World Athletics Championships in 2019, but they haven't hosted a World Cup. So we don't really know how the sort of police force would act if there were problems. And based on the country's laws, that is very concerning. I think like at half time, they only give you like Budweiser Zero, which what's the, what is the point of non-alcoholic beer? Why not have a soft drink? You know, have a 7-Up or, or a Coke or whatever. I actually don't have a Coke because they're bloody sponsoring this flipping tournament. Ugh. Anyway, <laughs> have a go at the sponsors as well. And Coca-Cola sponsored COP. Really environmental thing. They got millions of bottles out. I mean, come on, guys. <laughs> anyway, that, that's a complete tangent. Anyway. Qatar is kind of following this trend of Arab nations to get involved in the big sports events and try and improve their reputation on the world stage by doing that. The word sports washing has been used to describe this kind of behaviour, something Saudi Arabia is quite well known of. It's hosted boxing events. They're, they've got their own golf league now. 
I think they recently bought Newcastle United. And WWE events are hosted there, which basically are propaganda, saying, oh, how great it is to be in Saudi Arabia. And he- here's a here's a match between two big bastards. But we could, we could have a whole other podcast about Saudi Arabia, because I could go on. For me, this tournament is always going to be tainted with how Qatar got the tournament and who they are as a country. Now, I think it's important to have a bit of self-reflection, like I spoke about before. You know, USA aren't next hosts aren't perfect either, with anti-abortion laws, rolling rolling back the abortion laws. And even in the UK, we've been keeping refugees in squalid conditions because the very anti-immigration government, so anti-immigration, it won't let immigrants actually work and contribute to the economy, which could help the economy. Uh, this shows that FIFA... You know, definitely were corrupt and still really are corrupt because they they've come out and said focus on the football, which I guess people will do eventually because it's there. I mean, how can you how can you just ignore personal sacrifice? I mean, the deaths alone are unacceptable in my opinion. Like a lot of people have died to make this World Cup happen. It seems just so unnecessary. You know, it seems like. If you just put it somewhere else, these people would still be alive. It's horrible. One thing they do say about Qatar is that, you know, this World Cup, this is chance of reform here, you know, to show people the error of their ways, to make them realise that integrating with the wider world will be a better thing for them. Because that works so well in Russia, you know. Obviously not. Um, so you've got people like Gary Neville taking Qatari money and, you know, saying, oh, we, we can reform people. You know, we have to have the conversations. If we don't have the conversations, nothing will change. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you kind of see where they're coming from, but it's unrealistic, isn't it? It's unrealistic they're going to change because you... I mean, what they want is for you to change to be more like them, not the other way around. So for me, I don't really believe that's going to work. And obviously you've got people like David Beckham basically the ambassador talk about how, how much you like spice markets because you know how much that guy likes spice i mean he married a spice girl so you know there's a great for stopover what a great tourism advert that is and that is really what it's about as well for qatar they want to be like dubai you know be a big tourist attraction but what's there to do it's the middle of the desert <laughs> i suppose i suppose it's hot there's this whole thing about climate with this tournament which is probably going to get you know, unfortunately, climate always gets kicked down the agenda, although it's like the most important thing in the world for us to exist. But there's but FIFA are claiming this is the lowest, in terms of carbon footprints, the lowest carbon footprint of any World Cup. Because, I mean, from a, you know, logistical standpoint, teams don't have to travel as far between the stadiums because it's only like, Qatar's quite small and everyone get around on sort of public transport. So, so in that f- sense, it the feeling it might be. But then you've got the whole buildings of the stadiums. You've got, you know, obviously the worldwide plane travel to Qatar. And it does really start to add up. And really, I think that's a load of rubbish. So, so yeah. I mean, that's just, that's, that's another one to add to the Qatar problem list. But I'm sure wherever the World Cup was hosted, the climate would be a problem unless it was all done by Zoom, which would be, I, I'd quite like to see how they do it. A Zoom World Cup. It'd be quite amazing. <laughs> anyway. So enough about Qatar. Let's get to the football, shall we? And we're going to be predicting 
the results of the World Cup, but we're doing it in a different way than I usually do. Usually I just pick my own picks of who's going to win. But usually my predictions are so bad, like I'm terrible. I'll never make it as Mystic Meg. So I thought I would use a random generator to decide who would win the World Cup. And oh boy, we've got some interesting results here. So I do want to I want to tell you a little bit about which results we got. So my randomizer reckons that in group A it will be topped by Qatar, the host. Most of the time the host nation gets through the group stage apart from in 2010 with South Africa. But you wouldn't expect Qatar to get through, but apparently According to the random generator, they're going to win the group. We've got Netherlands in second place, Ecuador in third, and Senegal having a rather disappointing tournament in last. Maybe with the Sadio Mane problems, that might happen. Who knows? Group B gets interesting. I almost wondered where this was upside down because we've got Iran in first place, Wales in second place, the United States in third place, and England have an absolute mare at the bottom of the group. I mean... That did actually happen to England, if you remember the 2014 World Cup, when they actually finished bottom of their group. Uh, that I think, was it Roy Hodgson at that time? I think Roy Hodgson had just taken over in the 2014 World Cup. And then obviously they had uh, the Euro 2016 and that didn't go very well. And then, and then he was off and then we had Sam Allardyce for a game and then Southgate has been there ever since. So yeah, I wouldn't expect Iran to win that group, but you never know. Stranger things have happened. Maybe there's a chance South Wales qualify. Maybe that's more realistic. Group C seems a bit more on the money here. We've got Argentina uh, winning the group. Then Mexico coming up as runners-up. Poland and Saudi Arabia. Now, I think that is a pretty plausible way that will finish. I think Argentina are absolute favourites in that group. And obviously, one of the favourites to win the whole thing. And this is probably Lionel Messi's last chance to win a World Cup. Obviously, he's got the Copa America now last year. Can he do the double? That's the big question. In Group D, here again, we've got some surprises. Tunisia in first place, which you wouldn't expect when they got Denmark in second place. France, the current World Cup winners, failing to qualify. Maybe we will see, though, the old World Cup curse, as you might know about. Uh, France obviously failed after winning the World Cup in 98, failed to get out of the group stage in 2002. Then Italy failed to get out of the group stage after winning it in 2006 and 2010. Spain failed to get through the group stage in 2014 after winning in 2010. And Germany, really shock horror, failed to get through the group stage at the last World Cup after winning in 2014. So this does seem to be a trend where the world champions fail to get through the group stage after they've won it. But maybe France will break it, maybe they won't. But according to this, they won't. And I'd be surprised if Tunisia qualified, but maybe. And Australia there at the bottom of that group. So then Group E, once again, this is an absolute shocker because the big favourites, Spain and G Germany, both going out apparently. It's Japan topping the group with Costa Rica in second, Spain in third, and Germany having another disappointing World Cup in last. I think everyone's expecting... Spain or Germany to qualify in one order or another, whether it's Germany topping the group or whether it's Spain topping the group. And I would say that's pretty likely, in all honesty. Big shocks in Group F. Morocco topping the group. Canada coming in second. Now, I have heard some positive things about Canada as a team, and obviously they've got some good players there. This is their first World Cup since 1986, 
They go in with low expectations. Just qualifying is a massive achievement for them. So really anything they do in this tournament, even one win, would be very significant for them. So if they were to qualify, that would be a big deal for Canada. Then it's got Croatia in third, the runners-up from the last World Cup. And very surprisingly, Belgium at the bottom of this group, probably favourites to win the group in all, although they are an ageing side, you know, especially in defence and su such and such. So maybe they'll have a shocker or who knows. But th this is kind of, it's a trend. The whole, this whole random uh, predictions, it's a trend of knocking out the big teams. Because in Group G, we've got Serbia at the top. I did hear one person saying Serbia were quite good st on the stats side of things. You never know. Cameroon in second place, Switzerland in third place, and you're not going to believe it, Brazil at the bottom of the group. I don't see that happening, to be honest. I'd be very surprised if Brazil end up at the bottom of a group. I mean, Brazil are the only team to be at every World Cup, and I don't remember. I mean, maybe they did get knocked out of a group stage at some point, but I never remember them actually that actually happening. I know they've had a, they've had a couple of last 16 finishes. I think they finished last 16 in 20, 2006, I think that was. But yeah, Brazil are actually the favourites to win the whole tournament. So it would be a real shock if they were to go out in the first round. And Group H, uh, again, got some surprises here. South Korea topping the group with Ghana in second place. Portugal, Ronaldo's Portugal in third. And Uruguay at the bottom there. And you'd expect Portugal and Uruguay, I guess, to be the favourites in that group. Well, there's a lot, of, lot being said about Cristiano Ronaldo recently in terms of his... Uh, interview with Piers Morgan. Why do you want to interview with Piers Morgan? That's like the worst person to pick. Anyway, and obviously he said quite a lot of stuff about Man United. He's going to have to play with Bruno Fernandes. That could be interesting. Who knows how that's going to go? Maybe Ronaldo's going to be a hero at the World Cup. Maybe he's going to continue kind of complaining about things and not necessarily contributing. You kind of feel like the timing was probably worse for Portugal for him to say that rather than Man United, who obviously aren't going to play till Boxing Day. And I mean, now he, he he's pretty much guaranteed to be released in some way, shape or form by the January transfer window. This will be an interesting tournament for Cristiano Ronaldo. Probably his last, I would say his last World Cup, definitely. Maybe they'll, get a, they'll wheel him out for Euro 2024. Who knows? And Uruguay have got some decent players as well. Darwin Nunes of uh, Liverpool is in that team. I know he's had an interesting season. He was in my fantasy football team and it all went a bit wrong at the start of the season. So I took him out. But now he's got sort of better. So who knows on that front? But yeah, quite a shocking group stage, it's fair to say, looking at that. So let's go on to the last 16 where the shocks don't finish. So this would leave us with Qatar versus Wales. Argentina versus Denmark, Japan versus Canada, Serbia versus Ghana, Iran versus Netherlands, Tunisia versus Mexico, Morocco versus Costa Rica, and South Korea versus Cameroon. I don't think anyone in the right mind would predict that last 16, but our computer has spoken. What can we say? Randomly selected all these teams. So going through to the quarterfinals, it will be Wales beating Qatar. Uh, Argentina beating Denmark, which you would probably expect in that situation. Canada, a bit of an upset against Japan, beating them. Ghana beating Serbia. Iran beating Netherlands. What a shot that would be. Mexico beating Tunisia. Costa Rica beating Morocco. And Cameroon beating South Korea. 
Now, a good last 16 there for the African nations with the two nations, Cameroon and Ghana, who have previously both got through to semi-finals of the World Cup, obviously Cameroon in 1990 and Ghana in 2010. So maybe it could happen again. Who knows? The Iran-Netherlands one is the big red flag there out of all those results. And obviously now we've pretty much only got one big team left in the quarterfinals as it's going to be Wales versus Argentina, Canada versus Ghana, Iran versus Mexico, and Costa Rica versus Cameroon. And we have a shocker straight out of the gate with Wales beating Argentina. Holy moly. I mean, they did beat Belgium at the um, Euro 2016. So, you know, it's not completely inconceivable, but it's unlikely, it's fair to say. Ghana would beat Canada and Mexico would beat Iran. So Iran's kind of miraculous run would come to an end in the quarterfinals. And Costa Rica would beat Cameroon. So our semi-finals would feature Wales versus Ghana and Mexico versus Costa Rica. And unfortunately, Wales, although it would be kind of a similar run to their Euro 2016, Ghana would beat them in the semi-finals and Mexico beat Costa Rica, which leaves us with a third-place playoff of Wales versus Costa Rica and Wales win the bronze medal by winning that game and a final of Ghana versus Mexico. Now, any, I wonder what the odds are of that final of Ghana versus Mexico. Maybe I should put a bet on it because it's so unlikely. It must be like, I don't know, at least 500 to 1, I reckon. So, you, you know, if this random prediction is right, it'll be amazing. But I doubt it will be. But there you go. Maybe we get something right. So the final, Ghana versus Mexico. And the winners, I can reveal from our random predictor, are Mexico. Mexico would win their first ever World Cup. And it would be quite interesting because Mexico would then go into the next tournament hosting it, almost like a Eurovision situation, wouldn't it? If they won it and then hosted it next time. So there you go. So an unlikely prediction there of the World Cup. Will it come to fruition? I doubt it. But you may see some of those groups look familiar by in a couple of weeks' time. So we're going to revisit this after the group stage and after the tournament as a whole to see how accurate our random predictor was so thank you for listening to our little preview show of the 2022 world cup here on years of hurt an international football podcast with me richard carey remember you can subscribe to us on your favorite podcast channel whether it be apple podcasts or spotify or stitcher or whatever you like really you can also follow us on Twitter at YOHFootball. We'll be back on Monday to look at the fortunes of England and Wales. Until then, from me, Richard Carey, it's goodbye. Goodbye.